0: Welcome to the Around the Cauldron podcast, your mystical water cooler where we avoid work and chat about all things magic and metaphysics.
1: You know, the shit you can't talk about with your other friends. I'm your host, Eliza.
0: And I'm your host, Grace.
1: We're bi-coastal BFFs and practitioners broadcasting from Boston and LA, ready to get witchy and woo with all of you. minded witchy and woo welcome back today we are going to do the first and what I'd like to think will be a fairly regular series on badass bitches that we just really like Uh, so I really enjoy reading about and I'm sure you all know this by now I really enjoy reading and learning about like mythology and roles of people in or deities or whatever in mythology and the history of it and the storytelling of it so i would like to just kind of go forward and focus on some of these deities etc in folklore or the canon of spirituality in general and just kind of start talking about them have a conversation kind of bring them back into the realm of you know the talked about and I mean, a lot of them already are obviously but i just think it would be fun to learn a little bit more so
0: but, want to learn about a badass bitch
1: right who doesn't want to learn about a badass bitch i also feel like there's never a bad time to get some inspiration from mm-hmm. badass bitches throughout history but as per usual, Grace, it is card pull time.
0: Okay, so I thought that um, since we're doing a badass bitch series and episode, it would be apropos to use my goddess knowledge cards, which I know we've used on the podcast before, but they're my flippin' favorite. So I'm and they're
1: awesome. Fan. So I'm I'm here for it.
0: Yeah, but I wanted to mix it up a little bit, and I'm sure that people have probably seen something similar on Facebook, um, in particular, you know, if you follow any readers or belong to any of those uh, groups where people do free readings, uh, where they choose multiple cards, and you sort of, as a reader, viewer, in this case, listener, feel into which card might have the right message for you today. So to keep things relatively manageable, I thought I would stick with two cards. Nice. And I'm just going to shuffle them quickly here and then pick out two. So we've got our two cards. So what I'm going to do is call out the number of each card. Nothing complicated. And as I call out the number, again, we only have two cards. You're just going to feel into if the card has a message for you. And you choose one of the two. Okay. So card number one. So feeling into if card number one has a message for you card number one. And then card number two, feeling into if card number two has a message for you. Card number two. Okay. All right, folks. So now I'm going to read what each card has to say. So if you were someone who chose card number one, your card is the goddess Ishtar. Hmm. Such a fun word to say. It's a great word. Ishtar. Ishtar it, yeah. Ishtar is the multi-layered Babylonian creator goddess, the source of all life and embodiment of the power of nature. She's the giver of plenty, a lawgiver, a judge, the goddess of time, as well as the goddess of both love and war. Here her, name's, her name means giver of light and derives from her role as the queen of heaven is the planet venus as both morning and evening star and her girdle is the zodiac belt ishtar descends to the underworld and restores the vegetation god tammuz i don't know if that's how you say it but mm. i'm reading it uh to life and thus restores fertility to the earth as she descends she removes a veil at each gate and while she is underground all life on earth is depressed and nothing comes to life mm. want ishtar is a multiple powerful symbol of a forthright mode of being that is unafraid to venture into the depths of the underworld she represents the creative feminine active and strong so that was the message for you the inspirational goddess if you chose card number one Hmm. card number two is athena
1: Ooh, i love athena
0: yeah so we have two pretty powerful goddesses here regardless of which number people chose but card number two Athena. Athena is represented by the Greeks as the virgin goddess of war and wisdom, a symbol of courage and friendship. She often counsels warriors to gentleness. She is especially honored as a, um, as a goddess of agriculture, the creator of the olive tree, the flute, the ship, goldsmithing, and shoemaking. Well, I didn't know shoemaking.
1: Hmm, um, I didn't know that
0: either. Yeah. Interesting. And the goddess who introduced the yoke for the oxen and bridle for the horse. She is a patron of all useful and elegant arts. In Greek mythology, Athena is said to have breathed soul into the men created by Prometheus, and to have helped Prometheus steal fire from the heavens to give to men. Athena is a wonderful affirmation that there are no limits to what women can do with their intellect and creative ability. Cool. So, if you chose, I like it. Two, that was the message for you. Which one did you choose? I chose number one. Nice. So you chose. Which one.
1: surprises me actually, because I read i've read a lot about athena and i have kind of an affinity for her for sure but i'm starting to think that the reason why i picked number one was because spirit was like branch out (laughs) (laughs) love that yeah really cool really really cool
0: now one of the wonderings that i had was about the ishtar card and if that card um connects at all to some of the aspects of who we're talking about today. So Ishtar it looks like is about fertility, life, creativity, femininity, but is also, you know, and is active and strong.
1: Well, something that I find actually kind of is a little bit pervasive across the majority of the feminine deities that we talk about all have a little bit of all of this. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed that? That in a sense they kind of which really makes a lot of sense if you feel if you think about the role of women in society in general we kind of do everything you know depending on which society you hail from is where the weight really you know sits but I feel like generally speaking women being the badass bitches that we are you know, tend to wear a lot of hats. Yeah.
0: How about the badass bitches that we are and the tiredest fuck bitches that we are? (laughs) Yeah, no shit. Well,
1: (laughs) on that note, I uh, felt like we needed to lean into the uh, hashtag big crone energy with Mm -hmm. our badass bitch for today. And actually, I'm really excited about being able to talk about her because she's been a goddess that I've been called to learn a lot more about and just for whatever reason just haven't had the time um but I've always wanted to learn about her is the Welsh slash Celtic goddess Caridwen.
0: Mm-hmm. do you know much about Caridwen I don't but I've heard her name pronounced in many different ways
1: yes and like I'm probably so saying it wrong.
0: like how do you do it
1: <laughs> yeah i mean I'm, I'm probably saying saying it wrong so probably a bad you,
0: irish person for saying that but i don't know
1: hey welsh and welsh and like irish Gaelic are really both confusing so yeah, yeah. and they're different enough to where i wouldn't worry about it yes yeah, so today we are talking about the goddess curriculum and she is one of those that embodies our hashtag big crone energy mm-hmm. and is a total badass and first i think i'd like to start with talking about a little bit of the mythology and like her story mm-hmm. so obviously she hails from uh Wales in great britain and the story goes that she is essentially the keeper of the hearth she is symbolized by the cauldron
0: yes
1: yes yes she is symbolized by cauldron and she's kind of like a goddess of wisdom, inspiration, magic, prophecy, etc., Fertility, like I feel like almost all goddesses kind of are in a little bit. But also the thing that I really enjoy the most about her is that her story lends an appreciation and the necessity and the respect for uh, changing of the seasons and changes in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with that, I will go with the story. So Kiridwin is known for having two children and I can't pronounce either of them I'm just going to say the boy and the girl so forgive me everybody but I'm trying to save myself from myself so the her daughter was beautiful wonderful perfect awesome then she had a son who apparently was so fucking heinously ugly oh oh yeah apparently he was so heinously ugly that she had decided That she needed to do some shit about it. So she, in her giant cauldron called Awen, was going to create a potion uh, that was going to take a year and a day to create. That would give him wisdom and creativity and the ability to wordsmith and just be incredibly wise and smart and clever because goddamn he was ugly as shit.
0: I don't know how I feel about this, right, okay, because I'm sure that there are plenty of us who, now we all, I personally think that beauty is in the eye of the beholder and that beauty can be found anywhere, Um, but given the culture that we live in that is youth-obsessed and perfection-obsessed, okay, so I'm sure that there are many of us who feel like, well, I might not be pretty, but I am smart, creative, good with my words, (laughs) So one is like, well, he's not much to look at, so I better give him some other shit to work
1: with. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He was just like, oh, uh, well, we all want our children to succeed. Oh. <laughs> so let's let's, let's just kind of hope that, you know, he ends up being all right. <laughs> so, so in order to do that, the good mother that she was was like, okay, I'm going to make a potion. It's going to make sure that he doesn't suck all around. And so, because it took a year and a day to actually get it to come to, I don't know, to cook. To
0: brew to (laughs) perfection.
1: To brew to perfection. (laughs) She had a servant sit and watch the cauldron and stir it for her and make sure that it was watched and doing what it needs to do. But, so he was a kid. This poor kid got splashed with three drops of the potion when he was stirring it. And he got so freaked out and was so worried that kuridwin would get pissed so he ran away he ran off and of course because it flew out of the cauldron and it hit him i believe they say on his thumb and you know the natural inclination if you burn your thumb is to put it in your mouth yep. mm-hmm. so he ate it. possibly inadvertently <laughs> ate some of the potion so kid freaks out bolts karidwin finds out about this she's pissed i can't tell if she's pissed because he actually took some of the potion by accident or if she's
0: pissed that he ran who knows she's maybe pissed. both imagine if you were a probably mom and you both were like god damn it that took a year and a half to brew and he fucked it up and he ran away
1: yeah seriously <laughs> and she's like and i'm a goddess this motherfucker so so basically in order to catch him she shape-shifted into a bunch of different animals to try and find him so she shapeshifted into a bird into a rabbit into whatever she could and eventually she caught him and ate him
0: (laughs) whoa Whoa. she was mad
1: she was pissed (laughs) oh wait it gets better she caught him and ate him and then through the magic of magic became pregnant from eating this child
0: Okay. So we have some transmutation going on. Yep.
1: Sure do. Sure do. So she got pregnant and naturally after being pregnant, she had a child. This child had all of the best qualities possible because it was birthed from this kid that was already, from what I understand, just a very acceptable human being. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also having the potion in addition and being birthed from Corridwen the child was born to be Taliesin who is the Welsh poet and epic storyteller kind of like it's like he's like Wales's Homer so to speak
0: uh-huh. mm-hmm. it also reminded me a lot of like Apollo mm-hmm. it all kind <laughs> of you know
1: kind of tracks all together so essentially Caridwen, her birth of Taliesin is kind of like the origin story of Welsh fable and folklore. And Taliesin goes on to produce a lot of what we know today as a Thurian legend. So King Arthur and the quest for the Holy Grail, etc. comes From that tradition. So there's a lot of following between Caridwyn as being seen as almost like an Avalon figure, kind of the lady of the lake, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So translating that into how we view the modern day Arthurian legend and Arthur story, which I think is really cool. Also, which I was obsessed with in my 20s. I was obsessed with Arthurian legend. It was so cool. So essentially, that is the main story of Caridwin. but she kind of similarly, she reminds me a little bit of Hecate Mm -hmm. in the sense that there's a lot of association with, you know, her being a quote-unquote dark goddess, but I always feel like any kind of goddess that is associated with witchcraft or with magic in general always tends to be considered a dark goddess. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that is intentional or if that is just something that we have kind of assumed over time as you know culture interprets things but she embodies hashtag uh, crone energy mm-hmm. so she is associated with the crone also the mother but mostly the crone the tale of her chasing after this poor kid uh, and consuming him. And her transformation between different animals is, is supposed to be indicative of the change of the seasons. So part of the reason why that story is told is to kind of show the importance of the change in the seasons and how adapting to different circumstances allows you to eventually achieve your goal. So working with the seasons for harvests and things and the importance of adapting. Uh, which is a thing that I really like and think is a beautiful association. So the sacred animals associated with Caridwin are the white sow, which is weirdly specific, (laughs) but kind of cool, the hen, the crow, the wolf and the hare, because all of these are the animals that she supposedly changed into while chasing after a poor child. Sacred plants associated with her are vervin, corn and grain. She's affiliated with the earth element. Her sphere of influence is magic, fertility, transformation, wisdom, inspiration, and prophecy. Stones affiliated with her, if you want to work with her, are turquoise, rainbow, moonstone, and labradorite. To work with her, it's advised that you work with her on a dark moon or a full moon. Her symbol is the cauldron, so mm-hmm. she is officially the bad bitch of the Around the Cauldron podcast. <laughs> her planet is the moon. Mm-hmm. and. She's. I, I like that she's that kind of double-edged sword of like, not fully benevolent, but not fully bad, but just like, for lack of a better term, very human, mm-hmm. you know, she embodies all of it. Like, she's done some amazing things and then some terrifying things. And when you hear, like, she's consuming a child that made a mistake, but then at the same time, she, she you know, she is the good mother that wants the best for her children. And then, I don't know, I think that, that she's, she's pretty badass. So. Yeah, one of the
0: things that's interesting to me as I think about her is how she kind of is a representation of a whole lot of things. And in other traditions, you have... Deities who are representative of some kind of absolute, you know, in mm-hmm. some way. Yep. And she sort of has all these layers to kind of process and go through.
1: Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so, one's a great deity to work with if you feel any pull toward magic from that region, if you happen to be Welsh, if you happen to be British, if you happen to have any Celtic ancestry, or if you just hear her story and say, wow, she sounds like a bad bitch, and I want to work with her. uh, She is a person that you
0: want to go to. Yeah, well, I was thinking about other symbols. um, The English major in me is coming out a little bit. Awesome. Other symbols in the story, and one of them being the cauldron, and just generally this idea of persistence. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have this cauldron, which is A little womb like in a way. (laughs)
1: Absolutely. I mean, the cauldron is always affiliated
0: with womb. Yeah. And a lot of transformation, transmutation happens there, just like it does in this, you know, consuming and rebirthing that Caridwen goes, you know, goes through, produces, makes happen. Mm -hmm. And how many other representations of that there are in? Other traditions. The first one, which I think is a very obvious one that comes to my mind, is the oracles of Delphi and her, you know, carried one being associated with prophecy and um, foretelling. And here we have the cauldron as perhaps a representation, and a mechanism for that to happen. You know, we brew something in it that impacts the future, and then the oracles are, you know, taking in the fumes from a bowl <laughs> or. You know, or, you know, a hole in the ground, <laughs> which is a new <laughs> cauldron, um, and and foretelling the future. So, in a way, um, the oracles themselves are like the cauldron, um, but yeah, in in Caridwin's case, she has sort of like this external object where, where things happen. But the first, you know, one of the, the first things that I thought of when you were telling the story and of this year and a half long recipe was who the heck has time and patience for a one and a half right. year potion.
1: Well, that's why, she, I mean, she clearly was like, I've got some servants. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like She's like, I got shit to do. And then I thought to myself, I wonder if the servant is our entering into the story in a way. Oh, oh I like or where our head's at. That we are meeting the, the cauldron and tending to it and helping this potion reach its potential which is kind of like our lives we are tending to and always working on achieving more
1: absolutely and there's that kind of association with working on greatness inadvertently possibly or even advertently at somehow some greatness rubs off Mm mm-hmm So being splashed by the potion and then having to go through the trial and tribulations of of running from your fear and from anything that's chasing you. But eventually you are rebirthed as something beautiful and wonderful that can have a wonderful influence on society,
0: Mm -hmm. those around you and your culture. Her whole um, chasing after her mistake Mm -hmm. to ingest it and then, you know, reproduce I think the child is at first, when you hear it, you know, if you take it at face value, you're like, Oh my God, she ate a child. What is wrong with her? Um, wouldn't be the first, oh, you know, know some, you
1: some, some 17th century clerics loved that shit.
0: Yeah. She ate a child, <laughs> which is eat children. But w- don't we do that all the time? Chase after children? our mistakes. Absolutely. Well, yeah. The children, absolutely. Yeah. But, but chase after our mistakes. Right. So we make this mistake and, um, and we chase after it for a little bit. We're almost bound to it because we don't want to give it up right away.
1: And we go through transformations ourselves mm-hmm. in the goal of trying to either overcorrect or retool what we were trying to do in order to have the favorable outcome we were looking for originally.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And going back to persistence, you know, if you don't get it right the first time, try, try again.
1: <laughs> yeah. Seriously, white's out didn't work. We're yeah. going to go to the crow. Crow didn't work. Going to the rabbit. Rabbit didn't work. Going to the wolf. Wolf worked great. Eating the kid <laughs> and <laughs> making it into something beautiful.
0: And it took a while to get there. How many transformations or uh, yeah, reinventions several. did it take for that to happen? It took several. I mean,
1: the story is four because the four seasons. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, I mean, it's an excellent allegory for decisions and actions that we take in our lives and needing to adapt, accepting the changes that are necessary and the overcorrections that are necessary and realizing that despite all of that, while it might not have been the original intent behind what you were doing in the first place, you can produce something
0: beautiful. Mm-hmm, yeah. I also kind of like the message that's in in the the elements that she's trying to give to her male son Mm -hmm. and if we were to contrast them in the way that we think about what man means Mm -hmm. (laughs) versus female. so she's like okay well he's not much to look at so i'm going to give him all these other attributes the attributes aren't necessarily like super strength
1: no they're not super masculine they're they're very reasonable like well life's going to be tough for this kid i'm not going to make him hercules i'm going to make him clever.
0: Right, and and at the ultimate, you know, the the correction, the ultimate correction that happens at the end when she rebirths this mm-hmm. different child, male child, is that he's pretty effeminate in a way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, right. I, I mean, so, he's a
1: bard, he's a poet, he's romantic.
0: So we have this almost like the mistake is having two poles instead of uh, an integrated child that's sort of both masculine and feminine elements at the same time.
1: Absolutely. And something interesting that I didn't mention because I didn't want to go down the rabbit hole, but since we got here, after she birthed Taliesin, Taliesin was given to a human family that raised him. So there's also that dichotomy of being both divine and human
0: Hmm. and
1: having the wisdom and information from both being able to produce something extraordinary.
0: Right. Yeah. So we have someone who I think is where a lot of us want to be. Yeah. Right. Especially if you have a spiritual focus or you're feeling connected to a spiritual path, which is to take up residence and occupy (laughs) a human body, but to stay connected to, to the divine and other originating information. So in other words, You know, in Greek mythology, we probably call it connecting to the muses or getting information, (laughs) inspiration from the muses, but we call it other things now, channeling, meditation, dreaming. Uh Um, And He is very connected and present and embracing of all of those things while also human.
1: And truth be told, I, I couldn't help but see a parallel between the idea of a divinely birthed son being raised by human beings uh and the affiliation with the christ story and everything and and, you know it just always it doesn't cease to amaze me how over time and space these themes are so consistent it really just speaks to the heart of the human experience as also spiritual creatures about how constantly having to figure out how to how to reconcile the two parts of ourselves because we're all part divine and we're all part human, right? Not necessarily saying that we're like gods or anything, but we're spiritual beings that transcend time and space. You know, like we've talked about, while still having to live in our earthly bodies and function as human citizens of the world, not just living in the woo clouds. You know, right? So, you still have to
0: eat breakfast. You still have to yeah. pump gas. You have yourself to pay your bills.
1: <laughs> Uh, Still got to wake up for work, all of that stuff. I I I think that those stories don't get taught enough. At least this is just in my opinion. This is how I view it. Don't get taught enough in a way that we're supposed to relate to as much as I feel like we can if we look at it that way. I mean, the whole idea behind deities and things is this idea of reverence and separateness, you know. And I think it's a shame that it's not often spoken about, about how we're connected and a part of it
0: mm-hmm. as
1: opposed be, to being just subject to it. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. And I think it's part of what we've talked about on the cast before with a, with the human experience of, of being a person going to get a reading, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just because you're working with spirituality, you're getting information from a spiritual place does not mean that that is more valid than things that you have learned in your human experience right right absolutely there's a lot of crossover between the two and wisdom to be found in them each separately as well as together
1: we don't get all of our information when we're making decisions about buying a car from one place I mean you can you shouldn't (laughs) so why would you get all of your information about being a human being in existence from one place so I, I I think that all of these stories, in a way, allow for the listener, the beholder, the reader, whatever, to take from it what they can. I just hope that we get back to a place as a society to where we can see ourselves in these stories as opposed to seeing them as something completely separate and something greater than us in a way that's removed. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I and, and I'm going to go ahead and blame Christianity
0: for that because
1: that's very well, yeah funny. it
0: creates a more than less than mentality yeah, that exactly. always at the less than end
1: right it is it's an us versus them kind of thing like we are constantly trying to prove ourselves to be worthy blah 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 which granted yes we should always <laughs> strive to be worthy and strive to be the best versions of ourselves that we can be but I feel like there's a detriment to making those things so separate.
0: What happened to the girl child do we know
1: you know what if we do and i didn't look <laughs> in my head i was like she's pretty she's fine <laughs> <laughs> we can do some follow-up i'll do some uh some where are they now on the query i think is her name query Quidry. it's similar to carried but it's not it's not the same name and it's definitely one of those like welsh C-W-Y-W-Y-S-C-0 vowels kind of words.
0: Yeah. Is she just like generally I mean even in the absence of details is she part of ongoing Welsh mythology? You know just like I don't
1: think she's part of the pantheon by any stretch. I think that she exists insofar as she is part of the story but I don't believe that she is considered deified okay because the, the story i feel like is more so to introduce more more Fran, which is the unfortunate child and the transformation of the kid into talizen so it's more just like a, a vehicle
0: uh-huh mm-hmm. so what are some practical ways that people can integrate this deity into their practice, their way of thinking. I think we've covered their way of thinking a little bit.
1: Karidwen's a great deity to call on if you just need to glean some wisdom. If you need a mom figure, if you're feeling like you need some maternal guidance, wisdom, decision making, she is a great deity to call on. She loves poetry. If you want to write her a poem, she would love that. Similar to Um, Other underworld goddesses apparently the color black is a good one to use when you're trying to communicate with her naturally like we've said before, you can do anything any way you want to it's however you feel you know called to work with a deity. But given her affiliations, if you feel like you want to kind of kickstart that, if you want to give offerings of grain or corn or anything like that, um, again, she loves words. So if you want to write a letter to her, that would be a lovely thing to do. Cooking, when you're cooking, since she is the goddess that is affiliated with the cauldron, uh, you can call her in to kind of help you with anything you're cooking. If you wanna infuse your food with some kind of intention, that would be great. If you're brewing a potion, she clearly knows how to do that very well. Yeah, so you can- I'm sure it doesn't a little, take a year and a half, guys. Yeah, it doesn't, <laughs> try it doesn't take a year and a half, unless it's something really important, which means yeah. you do you. But ain't no one got time for that shit also either the dark moon or the full moon you can choose either or to work with her um is affiliated with the earth like we mentioned so stones anything like that if, if that's what you have around you if you don't necessarily have like corn nearby or grain you know those kinds of things but generally she's affiliated with the hearth animals like we mentioned the white sow the hen the crow wolves hares and i think When you acknowledge the change in seasons, it's a good time to connect with her as well, just to say, you know, thank you for showing us the importance of the change of seasons and the need to adapt and blah, blah, blah. That's a good time to talk to her. But yeah, essentially, she's there to offer wisdom, information. You know, clearly, she is a goddess that sees the value in having the tools you need to succeed. You know, like we had mentioned, she didn't necessarily have the kid be Superman. She wanted him to be smart. She wanted him to make good decisions. She wanted him to be able to be capable of things. So she is definitely the person that you call on to say, what is the smartest decision I can make in this situation?
0: Right. Yeah. And maybe for personal transformations or any Mm -hmm. moments of personal transformation. So on one hand you have like the bomb figure, but then on the other hand you have someone who has gone through a lot of shit who has actually dismantled and reconstructed themselves (laughs) (laughs) so perhaps a good person deity to connect with around that stuff in your own life too
1: absolutely and the number three i think is very relevant because it's the three drops of the potion that got onto uh the kid's thumb it's the three drops that her son was supposed to take in order to make him brilliant and wise so the number three she lived on an island in the middle of a lake so if you're at a lake and you just feel like connecting i feel like that's a good place you can do it anything very um terrestrial she's very very like, tied in to the ground and true the earth if you see a murder of crows <laughs> you can assume that maybe she is around and giving you some guidance so listen to what they have to say
0: i'm also thinking of um just working with your energy and grounding. You know, we have this very intuitive experience with our energy, but bringing it into this this earthly experience. She lives in a on a an island in the middle of a lake, so something earthy in the middle of an element that's very much associated with intuition and extrasensory perception. So bringing those two things together, she might be a good anchor.
1: It makes a lot of sense too because she's uh, she's affiliated with the moon.
0: So mm-hmm.
1: it kind of brings it all home. But yeah, so that's, that's Caridwen. If you have a non-traditional deity that you are looking to affiliate with, or if you're trying to tap into your Welsh slash Celtic heritage, she is an excellent goddess to have on your side. Or if you're just a mom and you need some big crone mom energy. energy.
0: Mm-hmm. If Your kids are driving you nuts and you're thinking about <laughs>
1: <laughs> Brewing a potion to make them better. <laughs> So yeah, so that's kind of what I have on, uh, on Karidwen, not a ton, but I just wanted to bring her into the fold and I would love to bring in some more bad bitches for future segments. So if you have any ideas or anybody that you really want to hear about, you just hit us up on social media, anywhere you can, and we will make that happen for you.
0: Yeah, and I also wanted to put a call out there to our listeners who might be working with deities from other cultures. Eliza and I have said before that we're focusing on white European yeah. <laughs> experiences because that's our, the lens that we have, but we really, really want to learn from all of you too, particularly around other cultural traditions. So if there are deities that you would like us to look into, or maybe even you have some wisdom that you could offer uh, to the podcast um, you can always please 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 write us an email send us an instagram message and we're thinking in the future about having some guests on too so you don't need to be like a big famous person to be a guest if you're yeah, a practitioner absolutely. and you specialize in working with one of these deities we'd love to chat
1: and as we have mentioned before we are really interested in kind of broadening our horizons. so we do really 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 love hearing from everybody
0: Okay, guys, so with that, we are going to sign off and see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks
1: for avoiding muggle life with us at the Cauldron Cooler. If you like our magical banter, please leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify or whatever newfangled podcast platform the kids use these days. And tell your friends to give us a listen, real or imaginary.
0: If you have any feedback, questions, or just want to say hi, you can email us at aroundthecauldronpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at around underscore the underscore cauldron and like our page on Facebook. I'm sure we'll do more social media things once we get the hang of all this nonsense.